have been in a series in the book of John. If you're just joining us, then we're in the middle of this book. And we have been learning some amazing things. And we decided after 2020 and all that stuff that we wanted to put Jesus Christ back up, elevate and illuminate him. And so we're focused on Jesus in the book of John. Last week, I talked about Lazarus. And if you missed last week, I would say that that's one of those that I would go catch either podcast or video. Go catch up on that one because, and then for today, it's, it's after that. And we're going to jump right into John 12, verse 1, if you'll read with me. It says, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. This is Saturday. It's six days before the Passover. John is giving us some insight here. It's six days, Jesus knows from when he's going to die. And what's incredible about John is we're in John 12. There's 21 chapters of John. And the net, from 12 to 21, John covers one week. He goes all in on the Holy Passion Week. And Orchard, I am so excited because we're going to see some insights in Passover and, and this last week of Jesus' life and ministry that are going to be um, truly meaningful. The message we're going to have coming through this final week, these are going to be powerful. And so here we are in John 12, six days until Passover. And here we go. Here we go. Verse two, a dinner was prepared in Jesus's honor. Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. They ate while reclining. I don't know if you know this, but they would have these little small backless couches and they would recline on their, probably their left side. Their feet would be behind them. They would face in and they would, they would eat with their hands. And so they're reclined there facing the table. And something we see here is that Martha is serving. Now that's something we'll hold on to because we'll see that again. But during this meal, something curious happens. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard and she anointed Jesus' feet with it wiping his feet with her hair. Mary, sister of Lazarus. Mary who is overcome by, she's so overcome by what Jesus has done for her family, for her brother who was dead and is now alive, that she begins to anoint, pour this oil, this nard over the feet of Jesus. And nard, it's very special. I mean, this is, if, if doTERRA sold this, this would be the, the, the most expensive essential oil they have. It's very expensive. And, and this much nard would be 300 denarii in that time. And that means that this is about a year's wages. A year's wages in one essential oil. And nard is also for burial. The belief here is that Mary has probably used some of this nard pretty recently on the body of her brother Lazarus to help cover some of, some of that smell. Not a lot, not a lot, but some. But she used a little with Lazarus, but here, overcome with gratitude, she pours it all out, all of it. A year's wages poured out in love and in gratitude for what God has done. She anointed the feet of Jesus, and, and culturally, when you came to someone's house, you would have somebody wash their feet for them. They wore sandals. They walked everywhere. It was dusty, and they didn't have the Nikes and Reeboks. And so you can imagine wearing sandals all the time and, and dusty roads. The feet are going to be pretty dirtied. Showers and baths weren't all that common and regular. And so Jesus wore these sandals. You can imagine that his, his feet were dirty. And, and in a house like this, if they had money, they would have a servant wash the feet. It was such a low, humble job that there was a law. They, they wouldn't let Hebrews of any sort, even servants, wash the feet. It, it had to be a foreigner. And that, that's how low this job is. But, but here we see Mary, the sister in her own house. She begins to, to wash the feet of Jesus 
She's overcome, and out of love and gratitude, she's pouring out this offering. And then it says, the house was filled with the fragrance. The house was filled with the aroma of her offering. Mary worshiped Jesus, and the fragrance of her gratitude, the fragrance of her love, it changed the environment for everyone. Her love for her Savior was was noticeable, unmistakable. And I have a question for you. Spiritually, does your love of Jesus change the environments that you go into? Is your life noticeably different than those around you by the way you worship, because of your worship? Is your office environment, when when you enter it, is there any change in the environment because of your love for God? Is your home filled with the aroma of worship? I woke up this morning and my wife was already downstairs playing worship music and reading. Just our house was filled with it. And and it struck me, you know, are our homes full, not just with the music, but with the environmental changes of what it means to follow and love Jesus? Does our love for Jesus, is it noticeable to those around us? Mary is moved by love and gratitude, and she comes and she worships at the feet of Jesus. Such a beautiful picture. And, and what's interesting is that there are, there's an account of a foot washing and anointing in every single of the four Gospels. The one in Luke happens much earlier. It's a different one. But there's also another anointing with oil in, in Matthew and Mark. And scholars have, have believe that the, the anointing of, we're talking about here in John 12 is the same anointing that happens in Matthew and Mark. Um, but I, I have a belief, actually, that there's a little more going on. Because I know that, that through this series, we've had fun exploring some behind-the-scenes and cultural things. I want to open up this a little bit and want to read the account in Matthew. It says this, While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. And right away, we see some differences. First of all, we hear it's at Simon the leper's house. There's no mention of Martha or Mary or Lazarus. And and secondly, the woman is nameless. He doesn't talk, it doesn't name her, and he doesn't talk to her. And, and Mary being Jesus' close friend, we wonder if that's a disconnect. And thirdly, you'll notice, she doesn't pour it on his feet. Where does she pour it? She anoints his head with it. And finally, in the timeline of Matthew and Mark, the anointing of Jesus here in the, when they anoint his head was two days before Passover. The anointing that John talks about in John 12, it says it's six days before Passover. Now, why would that be important? Why am I even talking about this? If you dive into Hebrew tradition, you know, when the Hebrew family would go get their lamb for the Passover, they would bring it into their home and they would, expect, they would, they would inspect the lamb. It had to be free from blemish. If they took a lamb to the temple for Passover that had a blemish, the priest would not let them sacrifice it there. So the family would look at it and the tradition goes that after they inspect it slowly and carefully, they would rub oil on its hooves and its ankles. Uh, often that's, that's where it scuffed the most, but they would rub, they would anoint uh, the feet of the Passover lamb. Now, four days later, the lamb would be inspected again by the priests, and he would thoroughly look over this lamb to make sure it was free from blemish, and then if it was, he would bless the lamb, saying it's worthy and acceptable to be the Passover, and in that blessing, guess what he would do? He would pour oil on the head of the lamb, deeming it acceptable 
for a sacrificial lamb for Passover. So the Passover lamb is in, has its feet anointed six days before, and, and then later on it has its feet anointed uh, two days before. And once in John 12, his feet are anointed, and then in Matthew and Mark, we see that his head is anointed. Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew and Mark. He says this to the, about the woman. He says, she's done a beautiful thing. She's poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Now, now, he says these words, I believe, two days before Passover, two days before he dies. And it probably fell on deaf ears. They didn't know, like, what does what he prepare for his burial? What does he mean? But the smell of that perfume would still be on his head when they forced the crown down upon it. And the smell of that perfume would be in his beard as it got mixed with the blood that would run down his face. Jesus, our Passover lamb, was anointed. He was blessed. He was declared worthy and acceptable by the earthly conditions and, of course, worthy by the divine heavenly ones. And he would die and take away the sins of the earth. Now, are these two separate anointings? You know what? Honestly, I like to believe they are. I believe they, because of the tradition. And what I want us to see here is that there is a rich tapestry of drama and context constantly at work in, in, in the Bible that we miss with our modern Western eyes. And this could be one of them. Regardless, I want to bring our, our focus back to Mary. Back to Mary pouring out nard, anointing Jesus with oil, anointing his feet. She's moved with gratitude. She's moved with love. And she, she came to his feet and she worshiped by an outpouring of oil. And the call for us is to come to the feet of Jesus out of love, out of gratitude, and that we would also worship him with our offering. Now, as soon as we talk about worship in American culture, we think of one thing, songs sung in church. Or Christian radio, right? Like, like when I say let's, let's worship, we think we're going to stand and worship. But I just want to let you know that, that worshiping at the feet of Jesus uh, out of love and gratitude isn't just singing in this place or somewhere else. Worship is not just singing praise songs. Tithing is worship. Tithing is an act of gratitude, is an offering given up. Like, God, you have given me so much. You have poured so much blessing into my life. All my money is yours anyway, and I give you the first fruits out of joy. And in fact, when, when, you, when you bring your, if you bring your offering to the, to the orchard, don't think about giving it to the orchard. May that be a moment of worship as you give it to the Lord. Serving is an act of gratitude is also worship. Like, God, you have done so much in me. And God, you've given me gifts and talents that are, that are mine. And because of that, I want to give them back and serve the community, serve you, serve the church, wherever it would be. Praying is an act of gratitude is also worship. Like, like God, you are so good and so glorious. As you pray, instead of saying the gimme, 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 gimme's, you, then you begin to just say, let me just glorify you. God, you are love. God, you give a thousand chances, a million chances. God, your, your mercy's new every morning. Begin to worship and may your prayer be an offering that you pour out. And yes, singing songs of praise is an act of worship. God, you've been so good to me. I'm here in this place and I will sing of your glory. I will praise you with my heart and my voice. And just an aside on worship, worship is not about the song or the music or the volume. Oftentimes we say, oh, I like this one, or oh, I don't like this one too much, or I don't like this style too much. Worship during praise music is less about uh, how you feel about the song and more about how your heart feels about God. 
And we used to challenge ourselves and put on some like old 80s worship <laughs> sometimes and say, I, I am going to worship even in this, you know? And some of you, you're probably like, I have to work through that in this room. That's okay. But during worship, if you find yourself like proud of your voice and hoping someone is hearing it, that's your cue to stop singing. Yeah. And if you notice yourself seeing somebody else raising their hands or doing something different, that's your cue to close your eyes because it's not about any of that. It is about your heart before God declaring and pouring out in worship and offering that you are worthy of glory regardless of the song, regardless who's doing what. I will praise you. Mary shows us that worship is an overflow of love, an overflow of gratitude, and, 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 and that we should bring ourselves to the feet of Jesus to worship as well. But I just want to say that this isn't the first time Mary has been at the feet of Jesus. In fact, this is something of a pattern. The authors in the Bible, they, they, uh, they, they often will show her, and let's, let's look at them. One of them is in Luke 10. This is earlier in Jesus' ministry. And once again, he, it's, it's back before winter, before Hanukkah. He's again in, in Bethany. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So once again, we see Mary at the feet of Jesus. But this time, she's not pouring out oil, is she? This time, she's at his feet learning and listening and growing Unfortunately, there was work to be done. And we read this about Martha. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And this is how you know that Jesus had, had a good relationship with, these, with this family. Because Martha just comes out of the kitchen and she goes, are you going to, like Jesus, tell her to come back here. We have work to do. Come on. I mean, I'm here working, I'm serving, I'm sweating, and Mary is sitting. Like, come on. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Now, that sentence makes some alarms go off in my head. There's, this is Jesus saying there's one thing worth being concerned about. Other translation says, there's many things to worry about, but only one thing is necessary. One thing. Jesus admits there's plenty to do. There's plenty of details. There's plenty of things to worry about. But at the end, there is one thing necessary, one thing worthy to being concerned about. Now, this is important. Again, if, if when Jesus says one thing, we should lean forward and take this in because, because what Jesus is about to do here, he's about to reveal priorities. Do you see that? When he says there's one thing to be concerned with, he's putting something above all the others. He's revealing priorities. And so lean in and, and, and hear this. The Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried about and upset over all these details, but there's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. What did she discover? She's at the feet of Jesus. She's simply in his presence. It's prioritizing time with Jesus above all the other pressing matters. Mary has discovered it. Now here's the truth about what she discovered and how it applies to our life, if we're honest. There's an unlimited number of urgent things in your life. We just have to admit, even now during this sermon, some of you have been going through the things you need to do the rest of the day. 
and you've been distracted by what you need to do in work and maybe where you're going to eat lunch and if you get there early enough before the other churches and all those things. But here's the deal. There's an unlimited list of, an, of urgent and important things that demand our attention, our emotion, our relation, and our action, right? Life is full of urgent things. Amen. <laughs> and when we get to heaven and we have a perfected perspective, we will be able to see that while on earth so many things were urgent and even important, they weren't as important as we thought in the end. From that perfected perspective, we will see that there are things that were vital. And apparently, Jesus says, there's one thing worthy of concern. It's being in my presence. Martha was in the midst of urgent things, and they seemed important, and they probably were for the whole thing to happen. But Jesus let her know that although there were all these urgent, important things, there's one thing vital, one thing above the rest. And listen, it, it might never seem that urgent to be in God's presence. But not only is it important, but if you want to live the kind of life God calls you to, it's vital that you spend time in his presence. Spending time with Jesus, it never seems urgent. You never, it never just sits there and screams on your to-do list. Read your Bible, like, time, like you know. Time with, listen, time with Jesus. I sometimes, when I'm in the, doing this, I'm having like Mary time. I'm at his feet. I'm in his presence. I have to have a Martha pad, okay? I have to have a Martha blank pad and a pencil because as I'm spending time, as I'm there with Jesus, I'm thinking, oh gosh, I have to talk to Amy about that. I have the kids this. And I, I will simply write it on the pad and move past it and get back to it when I'm done. I have my Martha list. I'm trying to, to be Mary at the feet of Jesus. But see, Jesus is never going to demand your attention. Life will. But notice he didn't demand Mary or Martha's. He didn't say, Martha. He didn't even, he didn't say, Martha, what are you doing? You're in the wrong place. He didn't demand. He does invite you. He invites you to come into his presence by reading his word, by listening to the, the, the prompts and growing in your spiritual life. There are many details and demands in our life that worry us. Unlimited. But there's one thing worthy of our concern. And that one thing is the challenge today. Will you put that at the top of your priority list? Spending time with God. And Mary found it. He, he, she discovered it, it says. And it would not be taken for her. You see, you see, Martha opened her home. Mary opened her heart. Martha's many things had her too busy for Jesus. But Mary's one thing had her at the feet of Jesus in his presence. Martha was distracted by all the concerns of life. Mary was devoted to the one who gives true life. Orchard, we learn here from Mary that there is one thing, one thing worth being concerned over amidst all the urgency and important things of life. But living like Mary, we have to admit, this doesn't happen by accident. You don't accidentally have a lifestyle of coming to Jesus daily and spending time in his presence. If you want to wait until you're less busy, you'll never do it. If you're waiting to spend time with God when your schedule opens up, it's not gonna happen. You see, Martha was busy, and Jesus didn't say, get your work done and then, and then come. Like, go, go, get, go settle everything, wait till you're less busy and, and come out here and spend time with me. The secret of life is one thing. It's Jesus' presence. So don't wait until you have more free time. 
This is something that we have to intentionally make time for. We have to intentionally prioritize spending time on the one thing. If Jesus says there's one thing worthy of of being concerned over, that sounds like something worth making time for. So once again, make time. Carve time out of your day daily to make time with Jesus and sit at his feet. Now, when preachers say, you got to go sit at the feet of Jesus, you're going to leave here and go, well, how do I do that? Like, what? That we can't physically do that, can we? So what does it look like for us to, 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 to sit at the feet of Jesus? It means to spend time to pursue his presence, pursue him. And, and one time we do this is by making time to be in God's word. I said it over and over through this series that we need to get into God's word, but more than that, let God's word get into us. That God's word is where he reveals wisdom, but also he reveals his very nature in here. And so, so, so God speaks through his word. And so making time to draw near the feet of Jesus by being in his word is important. And, and one thing that is, is very, I met with a guy this last week who was trying to get back into reading the Bible. And he's like, I just needed to read the Bible. And so I've been reading the Bible today. I go, well, how'd that go? Like, where'd you read? He's like, man, uh, Leviticus or something? I was like, wow, you learned a lot about some skin diseases. But like, you know, let me help me out. So it, one thing that I do, I have an app on my phone called the YouVersion Bible app. I've mentioned it. YouVersion, Y-O-U version. And you can go there and you can type in the search, you can type anything that you're dealing with, peace, anxiety, whatever, any topic, and it will come up with a reading plan for you, a week long, a month long, whatever you want to do. But you can daily read about peace and anxiety or, or about joy or about whatever the, your topic would be. You can have a re- daily reading in that from the Bible. I would encourage you to, to, to try these things. God speaks in his word. He has things for you. And so for us to do the one thing is to draw near and pursue God's presence in his word. Make time for that. Secondly, make time to get into God's presence in prayer. And for me, I really don't do well just sitting still, eyes closed, praying. That's really difficult. So I'm walking, even if I'm walking in the same room, or I'm driving. And that's, that's the challenge. It's turning off the podcast. It's turning off the radio. And it's talking out loud to Jesus. I, you know, keep an earbud, earbud in just so no one thinks you're crazy, you know, right? Whatever you need to do to feel okay. But you, as you're driving Aspen, you just have a conversation as if he's there. And, and, and speak to him honestly as if there's a, it's a relationship. And you know what I'll do also? I spend time listening. If we are filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is our helper, who wants to guide us and speak to us, I will spend time listening. If it's a certain situation, I'll say, God, what do you think about this? What should I do? And I will then just be quiet and listen. Or I'll just say, God, I want to hear what you have to say to me. Have you ever had lunch with somebody or a meal and, and, and the only things you say are hello and then a bunch of uh-huhs and then goodbye? Like that's how our prayer life is sometimes. Hello, God, and then Amen prayed today. And part of, part of prayer is being in a relationship. Mary was listening at the feet of Jesus. Carve out some time to listen, to listen. And you may think I'm crazy and I'm okay with that. But some of my most life-changing moments that have, have led me to this very place have only come through listening in prayer. I've, I've heard him speak clearly about major life decisions and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for some of my, I looked back, I was thinking through it. 12 years ago, God um, asked me to be on staff here at the orchard, and I, I didn't want to. I did not want to do it. I was so burned out. I did not want to do it, but, but I, I heard him clearly. 
And I said, I said, yes. Thankfully, I listened. Seven years ago, he told me to stay on staff. At that time, I didn't want to. But I listened to God, and thankfully, I did. And three years ago, I heard from God, as he was saying some things to me that settled something so deeply in me to be lead pastor without knowing it was coming pretty soon after that. But God wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you. By his spirit, he wants to guide you. But so often, we're like Martha. We're just like Martha. Imagine Martha prayers. We pray Martha prayers. We're going through our life. We're so busy. Oh, oh can you help me with this? And we're going to get back to it. Like it's like just a Hail Mary um, prayer in the middle of a busy day. No listening. No relationship. Martha prayers, we are busy working and just, that's, that we're just throwing up prayers uh, as we get to them. And, and at times when you're busy, that's fine. But make some time to pull aside, be in his presence and speak and then listen. A relationship is two ways, in his word and in prayer. Martha was at the feet of Jesus another time as well. So we already have two times, we have another time. It was from my message last week about Lazarus. You'll remember, Jesus arrived too late and Lazarus died. And we find here, uh, when Mary heard that Jesus was near, she jumped up and ran to meet him and said, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet. In crisis, in pain, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. And from this, we see that in our times of greatest need, our times of greatest need, we fall to the feet of Jesus. When life circumstances are crushing us, fall to the feet of Jesus. When we experience a great loss, fall to the feet of Jesus. When life is overwhelming, that's when we go to God's presence. When anxiety is rising and consuming you and pursuing you and robbing your joy, pursuing God's presence and falling at his feet. When relationships break down and our hearts with it and our hearts are, we take our broken hearts to the feet of Jesus. And listen, we don't go to Jesus just when we're, we don't go to Jesus just when we're sad or overwhelmed. There's a new, there's a new emotion I want to speak about today that's been rising up in this nation the last two years that I believe we need to go to God's presence with. In 2020 and 2021, frustration has risen. And I don't care what side of the spectrum of politi politics you are on, there's plenty of frustration for everyone. There's enough for everyone to have their share and more of it. And when you find yourself being frustrated by, by the local or the national or the world or all the stuff that's happening, that frustration can get so consuming. And instead of going to the feet of somebody else at the water cooler and, and, and sharing it there, take that frustration to the presence of God. You're not going to get peace from the person at the water cooler, but you're going to get peace from uh, the world seems out of control and, and this agenda and that agenda. And, and God, God going to let you know, listen, my agenda continues. Redemption rolls on. Let's live on my agenda. And he can call you back to a way of living amidst the frustrations of life. So when anger or circumstance at circumstances hits you, go to Jesus. And Mary shows us here to go to him with our rawest emotion. At the feet of Jesus, do you know the greatest prayer you can pray? The most honest one. I told you last week, God is big enough when you're angry to, for you to yell and for you to curse at him. God's big enough when you're broken for you just to sob and ask Why? Bring your honest emotion. We have, somehow we've got to this place where we believe if I'm going to go to, the, if I'm going to, go to God's presence, I kind of go in there and um, you know, I, I stand a certain way and, and I have to say, Father God, every other word and I beseech things. And guys, I've never beseeched in my life. 
I don't even know what I, what, what, I don't even know what a beseech would be. But somehow we go to God and we start praying and we start beseeching. And so here's what I'm saying. When you pray, when you're in that relational prayer with God, when you're talking in your car, when you're doing whatever, you speak your honesty. That's what relationships are built on is honesty. And now don't go with the shallow prayer of these and thous and trying to impress him. You know what he wants? He wants your heart. He wants you to open your heart to him and be honest. And that's what Mary does here. She doesn't pray a religious prayer. She speaks truth. And so Mary gives us three occasions of how she is at the feet of Jesus. She approaches him in worship and pours out her offering of gratitude and love. And today, even as we go into worship after this, how can you practice this? Like if this is what we're supposed to be doing, what would it look like for you to pour out worship as an offering even in the next song? It can't, it's not just about the songs and it can't stop there, but that's what's next on the agenda. How could you do it then? You know what, I, I, I used to say this a lot as a youth pastor, that's get alone in the room. Even though we're, there's a lot of people in here, get, even though you might be on your couch with, with your spouse, listen, get alone in the room. That means just, just it's you and Jesus. And as you sing the song, it's just you and him and you engage with just him. Don't, don't worry about who's next to you or what they're doing or not doing. It is, you are alone in the room. So perhaps in this next song, this is your moment to practice true worship. And yes, you might not like the song or it's too loud or the beat or this, that, or the other, but God is still God and he's still good. Another way to do that is to take it, the next step is to take it out of this room. For some of it's to put on earbuds and listen to worship. Listen to that song you like somewhere else. Go on a walk and put it on and listen to it. But then as you, or as you give your tithe, again, as you give your gifts, don't give it to the orchard and make it a worship moment for God. Mary came to Jesus in worship. And that's the first thing we need to begin to do. Make, make a life of coming to Jesus and pouring out our love and gratitude. The second thing is she made time in her busyness to spend time with him. She made time, although there was a list of things to do, she made time to be in his presence. And this is your, this is your challenge, to get in his word, to, to, to get in his word and to pray and to listen. The one thing in your life worth pursuing. Make time for that. And finally, Mary came to the feet of Jesus at her moment, her moment of greatest need and emotion, and she was honest there. You know, we can't go to the physical, the physical feet of Jesus, but we can pursue his presence. And do you know what I love most about the presence of God? Do you know what I love most about at the feet of Jesus is that everyone is equal, is that we're all equal at the feet of Jesus. No matter your gender, your race, your nationality, your political affinity, no matter your sin and your past or your present or your future, no matter what it would be when you come to Jesus Christ who, who is dead and resurrected, it is equal ground for humanity. You don't come to Jesus based on the work you've done, good or bad. You come to the feet of Jesus based on the work he has done for you. And it's equal. And if you're here today and the one thing that you need to hear is this, that you've walked in shame and guilt and that if you go to the feet of Jesus, he's gonna wear a frown, crossed arms. Yo, you're back in here? Oh, do they know? These people only know what you've been doing. Here's the deal. Jesus, he does, that is not how he responds to you. He says, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, there is no condemnation in me. Come, come, be in my presence. All are equal at the feet of Jesus. Nothing disqualifies you from God's love. He has qualified you for it. At the feet of Jesus, we come and we worship. At the feet of Jesus, we go and we wait. At the feet of Jesus, we come and we weep and we wail. 
And, and, and the, the bottom line is, Orchard, if we, if we as a church could orient our lives to one thing, if, 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 we, if we could do this as a church, and today say, I'm going to make time for the one thing necessary, we would be a different people, we would be a different church, and the aroma of our loving relationship with Jesus would fill this region. When Jesus Christ says there's one thing, Orchard, that's worth adjusting our day, our life, our morning around. That's my challenge to you. Because we could be that church who learns to sit at the feet of Jesus. And this region will be transformed by people who are, who are genuinely worshiping, praying, reading his word, and being transformed. So as we go into communion today, I want you to, I want you to, as you hold that, I want you to thank Jesus for his sacrifice because that's what gives you access to the feet of Jesus. That's what gives us access to, to God's presence. His death and resurrection made a way. And if you're here today and you have significant prayer needs, or if you want to pray to, to, to receive Jesus as your savior, I'm gonna have some prayer team back over there in that corner who would love to pray with you. But Orchard, however you need to deal with this next um, moment, this was between you and the Spirit. And then when Micah asked us to stand, I want to challenge you to, to shed the skin of your experiences and how worship should be and simply worship God alone in the room. Deal? Let's pray.